Welcome to the Get Your Own Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Get Your Own Podcast. I'm your host, Rocco DeVito Jr. from Burn to Earn Productions. And today I'm with singer-songwriter Dan Lavoie from Dan Lavoie Music. Dan, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad I got you finally. All these years I've been trying to get you to sit down with me and just tell me what you are doing. But you're always on tour, so. Always on the road, but it's good to be here with you, man. Uh, yeah, I'm so pumped that I've been able to actually get you on, man. Because I, I, your, your life and your journey is is unique. And it's like one of the most fascinating things to me because I personally couldn't do it. And uh, I thank Facebook every day that I get to see how, how much work the, the you put into Facebook, it, man. right? Yeah, the yeah. good side of social media. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man. So we've known each other. We're both Paul and people from long, long time. Yep. Um, and I was, uh, we had a night at a Bruzies in 2008 where you had told me you were deciding on going on tour and doing uh, your your album. So you want to give everybody your origin story and. How you got started in doing what you're doing? So yeah, when I was younger, I was I was, you know, getting into the electric guitar and soloing and all that. But uh, as I uh, got older, I started to go to open mics and uh, started to see some really great musicians, uh, specifically down in New York City. And uh, that's when I started getting excited about approaching songwriting. Um, and uh, Right around 2011, I was doing sanitation with my brother-in-law. And um, at this point, I had been doing a bunch of open mics in New York City. And I got hurt, and I was laid out for about six months. And I had always talked about going on the road. I'd tell my family members and all that stuff, but I was really full of it. And uh, when I got hurt and uh, recovered, the job fired me. So I had the uh, decision to either fight it or finally take on my dream and i chose the the latter and i took on my dream and started touring and uh been doing it ever since probably right around 2011 onward eight years eight yeah, years eight years road, dude yeah yeah Ooh. living it and and i i think what happened too was uh shortly before i went on the road i i was living out of the car i just kind of just by choice i just I was working down in, in Yonkers and I'd work and then I just was exhausted and wanted to be closer to the job and also wanted to be closer to New York city. So, uh, I already had that under my belt, a uh, couple months sleeping through snowstorms and all sorts of stuff. So getting on the road just made sense. And, um, all those open mics in New York city were good for me because it challenged me and started to see some really great artists that were better and, uh, honed him on the singer songwriter. Uh, and, what happens is once you start to get on the road and you see what's out there, you get hooked real quick. So yeah, I haven't, I haven't turned away since. Yeah. So what's that like, man? Like you're, you know, most people I would assume think that anybody that's picked up an instrument instrument is like, yeah, I'm going to go on the road. I'm going to be a musician and I'm going to, yeah. but what is it really like? Well, you don't know until you do it. And, uh, we were talking a little bit before about this, but, uh, I envision a tour completely different than what it was, you know, in my naive mind at the time, I just assume you go and people show up. And, uh, my first gig, uh, the tour was, uh, up in Hunter mountain, uh, in Tannersville. And I walked in and there was the bartender 
and, and maybe <laughs> one maybe one person eating a sandwich. And I was like, you know, I, I did my sound check and set up and I walked up and the owner goes, we could, we could wait an extra half hour. I said, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> and, uh, and people started coming in. They started hearing the music on the street and they came in and it was filled up real nice. And that was great. And then my next gig was in Burlington, Vermont at uh, this place, uh, Radio Bean. And it was the same idea. I walked in and, you know, but I had a little bit more confidence and I, I assumed, you know, it could go either way. And same thing, sound check, two people, a girl cooking the, you know, making up the coffee and, and uh, someone drinking coffee. And I went on, a few people, you know, came through and it was cool. But what happened was it disciplined me to to look past, you know, what's in front of me and be there for the music, which is the point of it in the first place. Um, but you you start to have to create a little bit of a, a protection over your heart because you get in there and you can get knocked down real quick if you allow what you're seeing in front of you at first to judge how the show is going to go. Um, so there would be some great nights and bad nights in the beginning, but uh, overall it was building it was building my confidence up on the road to see if you could survive because it is a different life. Number well, one, touring, but also living in your vehicle. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> did you just stay in New York state in the beginning? Like when did you, were you like, let me do a couple of shows in New York state. And then, cause obviously it's home. Yeah. So that's a lot easier for you yeah. to turn around. If, if yeah. you're like, I can't do this no, anymore. It's, that's a good question because one of the tours I left out, uh, it was, it wasn't necessarily even a tour. It was like a couple shows. I went down played a gig in Virginia, met one of what is one of my closest friends to this day, Dave Johnson great musician out in Virginia beach and, uh, played a couple other shows, uh, went to the casino, lost all the money, <laughs> came back home, uh, played, played the last show in New York city at Rockwood music hall, which was great. And it gave me a taste of it, you know, but that was a small taste. But to answer your question, no, I just went, when I went in, I went all in. I said, well, I'm gonna do this. And I, I, I did, uh, a big chunk of the East coast and, um, if it felt right. And then the second tour I went and I did out West and that was crazy. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing though. I, I, uh, you know, one thing that I kind of left out is you learn your mistakes as you go. Like I could tell a quick story if it's, uh, uh, I, one of the mistakes, uh, where I learned, uh, I was in Virginia beach and I booked a gig in, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, which is probably seven hours from there. And, uh, uh, the agreement was that I would get tipped out and it would be a, it's always packed there and, and the tips would be really, really good. And at that point I, I said, okay. And I went and played the show and sure enough, it was packed. And uh, <laughs> after the show was done, I went to grab the tip bucket and there was probably about nine bucks in there. Oh. I said, oh my goodness. So I go over <clears throat> and I sit down and the, the, the funny, I can laugh at it now, but they fed me this big old burrito and, uh, I go to grab what I thought was the initial pay at the bar, the tip, and it was overflowing in money. I said, oh, great. I go and grab it. And they're like, that's not for you. <laughs> and, uh, I said, well, what is, they said that, then that little bucket over there, which had the $9 in it. So I thought that was something else. And, uh, they didn't have the the owner's number, nothing like that. Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. The friend who I was going to stay with, who was from our hometown, he got into a car accident at night. So I had nowhere to stay and they, they had no contact for me. So I was frantically emailing them because that's all I had to tell them, listen, I'm supposed to get paid. So long story short, I got paid nothing and drove back that night. 
So I left in the morning and got back in the morning with like negative a hundred dollars or something. Oh man! <laughs> and, but what happens is you learn from it, and uh, every show from that point on, I was more careful, and more professional. Because, you know, they talk about that dream of the musician where you're you're eating the bologna sandwiches and you're getting paid just tips and this and that. Yeah, sure, you know, the, you hear the different rock and roll stories or whatever, but you got to be smart too, you know. Like, I'm not eating good on the road as it is, but you should get paid for your work. And uh, so I was a little bit more careful with through my emails and being a little more efficient with that. <laughs> and that was the first time you were on? That was, that was the... Um, it was the first like official real East coast tour. Yeah. And, uh, but that was the only, I want to say that was the only real like rough moment. Um, there, you know, there's always other ones where you get double booked and it's out of your control. Sometimes they'll pay you and sometimes they don't, but that was the first like real awakening of like making sure you're very careful with your emails and being specific about what you're looking for. Now, when you, when you went to do that tour, how long was that tour? The, the first small one, which I, I didn't really, it was kind of a tour, was just a week. And then the one we're talking about, that was probably three months, something like that on the road. Three months. So yeah. when you're deciding, you're like, all right, you know, you did the week and you're like, all right, I could sleep in my car for a yeah. week and, you know, go, maybe I make $9, maybe I don't. It's only yeah. a week. Right. But when you choose to do it for a few months, right? Was it what you expected? Was it like, was it a lot different than you expected? Because you're doing, you're also by yourself, which yeah. I find to be amazing that yeah. you, you're doing this all on your own too. Yeah. You know? um, it It's, well, initially it wasn't because in my naive mind, I just assumed people showed up, but there's so much involved from the business aspect, the marketing, promoting, which if you don't have a team behind you, you're doing it all yourself. And we, we were talking about that earlier. So um, I learned quickly. It was much different than what I expected, but the beauty of the road was more than I ever dreamed. Um, there's just, I think what it comes down to is when you're fully invested in and you see the beauty of the road and, and, and you know, you have something to offer musically, you're willing to allow the sacrifices to not dictate your future and you you're all in. And that's why I haven't turned back since. But it was definitely much different than what I had in my mind, for sure. <laughs> what did you have in your mind? Like I just, you know, you you follow these musicians and these artists, and and you see these videos, and uh, you look at tours, and they all look so incredible. But you don't see what goes on behind the scenes, even like we were talking about with what you do in the and there's so much invested into what you have to do and the hard work that gets put in that it, it's not an overnight thing. You, you gotta be all in invested at all time with, so, with your art. So you're not just a musician. You're a booking agent. You are your manager. Everything. You are yeah. sales. You're uh, I, also one thing I, I, I laugh at, but it's true is your own, your own therapist. <laughs> you're telling, yeah, you're, you're constantly, uh, I don't know if you have to do it too, but you're, the, the the idea of like I'm on the road I'm alone so much that uh you know you if it's a good night it's easy you know especially if you're you're getting uh, feedback from people and this and that but if it's a tough night you've got to say listen this you know look back to the night before when it was just packed or when it was a great night and people bought CDs when do you when do you book like when do you right because you do a show I'm I'm assuming you perform till like 11 o'clock minimum right yeah so when are you booking like as soon as you wake up and you're hoping people are awake like 
That's a, that's a good question. Um, and I, that was something I learned from too. We're, we're, we have different time zones and, uh, <clears throat> it's difficult. Like in the earlier years, I would book it insane hours. I'd be up all night long and you're not realizing you're emailing these people and they might be in bed and you're waking <laughs> them up possibly. Um, but you're in it though. You're in it to, you know, for the long haul, you're in it for all the right reasons. But, uh, Man, that's a really great question. It it varies. I guess it depends because you're right. I'm performing a lot. When I'm touring, especially big tours, you got to, I guess to answer the best way is uh, all the way up to the show, possibly at an internet cafe, wherever I'm at, because I'm on the road. <clears throat> uh, I'll be on there working, booking, and then get ready for the show a few hours before, tune up and all that other stuff. Um, if I actually am in a, physical place and most time in the van or you know, living on the road if i have the luxury of being in a home in a sense i could stretch a little bit more and change my hours but i've got a little bit of a routine i get up get some breakfast in me and uh, or if it's later lunch and i start booking you know i'm always i'm always working so so what's your day like like are you you know are you practice like, i assume you have to practice i mean you're down the voice so you don't really ever have to practice but, uh <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, I, I, I wish I'd practice more actually, to be honest with you. I'm always, I'm always writing, but I've learned one thing I've learned is that, uh, you know, when I was younger, I would try to, you just try and create something, you know, you're always wanting to create, but it seems like the, this record that just happened and the one before, uh, the songs come really organic. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm always doing something, but I wish I'd practice more, um, but the booking seems to take up a lot of time. Yeah. That's mm. it's so much invested in that. Um, when you're your own manager and booking agent, um, which that may change down the road, but, uh, yeah, it takes, it takes up quite a bit of time. So throughout the day, it's, it's mainly the booking and then time in between practicing and then getting ready for the show. You know, if it's a couple hours away, I usually try to get close to where the venue is or the show is at, uh, or house concert. Uh, so it's not like rushing to get to it. So I try to balance that out between the booking and the shows and practicing. And then like, are you, you know, are you booking sh uh, venues that like are promoting or you're hoping that they promote you? <laughs> like they're all uh, different. Yeah. Uh, we live in a day now an age where it's, it's, it's tricky. Uh, you got to go in it as if none of them are promoting you. That's how I've learned. Um, some are great. Some, uh, they're, promote you every day some don't promote you at all so what i do is i i go into it as if nobody's promoting me whatsoever um just to just to get the word out there um so you just you never know what you're what you're gonna get with with each venue it's different you know some surprise you some that you would expect you know would don't at all really yeah yeah that sucks. i don't know if it's uh I don't really have an answer for why. Um, I think the beauty of it, what I've found from the my favorites are the ones where it's like 50-50, where there's like almost like a play going on. You know, they're each sharing a little bit. Um, there's a, this place out in Colorado I play in the San Luis Valley, and it's one of my favorites where, you know, sharing videos and I'll put something up and then there's an echo and response. You call them response in the sense of uh, promotion. And it's always full. It's always good. That's great. You know, and other times it's like I'm chomping at the bit going, why, why aren't I getting the love here? What's going on? <laughs> you know, it, it's tough. 
And the way I, I, I'm sure a lot of musicians, I don't want to be uh, biased here, but I'm sure a lot of musicians that are trying to get their name out there, they do get frustrated at the sense of if they know it might be a little harder to get, draw the people in, they should be pushing that even more. And sometimes they don't at all. That part's tough. So you got to go in as if they're not promoting you whatsoever. <laughs> That's the best advice I get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because again, like you don't want to be, like you said, so much goes into it. You're yeah. traveling miles. Like yeah. you don't want, you don't want to be going there. And, and there's the barkeep. The bartender. Yeah. The bartender. <laughs> I played a gig, uh, going back to the, uh, not to backtrack, but going back to the, one of the earlier tours, I, I played a gig in Austin and, Luckily, my friend came, but that was, I literally played, it was at a death metal club too, which I was found re really weird because they, they heard my music, but they put me on the bill and I walked in, I'm like, oh, cool. They're like, no, 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 you're in the back. <laughs> so they, they brought me from the venue to this other backstage and I'm like, what is this? And I got in there and there was the bartender and luckily my friend came and I played. But the good thing is if you keep a, if you, cause don't get me wrong, you, you do get down, but if you try to keep a positive mindset, something good will come. So I played for about a half hour and there was this guy clapping next to my friend the whole time. And I get done and he, he said, come over here. And he talked to me. He's like, I run this place. He's like, you're, we'll put you on the main stage on Tuesday. And they did. And I got a nice crowd, but it was just, it was a bizarre moment. Wow. I was I basically, you know, you're, I'm sitting there with my head down going, what is going on right now? Why am I here? Why did they book me here? I'm in the back of a, and it was completely, it was like pitch black in the main venue. There was a little bit more lighting. They brought me in the back and I was, I could just see a little bit of light where the bartender was and my friend and that guy. <laughs> so, Dude, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you remember your first time performing? Like, uh, not necessarily like when, when, I mean, it coincides with like when you decided to do this, right? But do yeah. you remember like that first big gig that you were like? Well, there's a couple, like I, I can break it down with moments. Uh, I remember coming from a guitar player. I remember we played at a, a, you know, a house party and uh, it, it was like, it was incredible. It was like one of my first bands and it was packed and people were totally into it. But that was like... Uh, more coming from a guitar player perspective. Um, then I started playing open mics and I remember getting really good receptions at the open mics, but not playing shows. So the, but the first moment where it was uh, coming as myself as a singer songwriter, where it felt good was um, probably the town crier. You know, it was, uh, I had been doing a bunch of open mics and then I, I came out of, you know, with, with some songs of my own as a singer songwriter, not just the guitar player and people supported me. So that felt, it felt real good. You know, it felt right. Like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. I think I filmed one of those early. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. It was, it was, it was probably a few tours in, but you caught me during the first record. Yeah. 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 That's right. At, at the crier before Phil sold it, right? Yeah. Before, yeah. Before it became Daryl's. Yes. Right. So, which I had seen you at, uh, for your album release, yeah. uh, it was a phenomenal show. Thank you. Phenomenal show. And I got to say, like, just seeing you in the last, I mean, you know, I've seen you perform forever, you yeah. know, in high school and everything, but seeing these last, like, 10 years, how much you came from your three albums, this album now is, like, something else that I'm, like, just so happy that I'm seeing you do, dude. Like, Thank you. you are, uh, you know, I... 
I, th- this album has strings in it. Like I'm seeing you compose, you know, things now. And I- I'm just like blown away by, you know, the mind of Dan LaVoy, you know, oh, like, like where you, you go musically, you know? So like, what was that like this, this journey for you turning from just guitar into like now sitting with these dudes trying yeah. to compose something together? I think if it just feels right because I'm approaching it uh, differently than I did in the past. When you, when you're first coming up and you're writing, you're trying to create something and you're trying to impress and you're trying so hard to do things, you know, and, uh, I've learned from, uh, my early years of songwriting that it kind of backfires in a sense. Um, I've always written from the heart and honesty, but, um, the past two records specifically songs, of new son and this new one time and space, I've approached it completely from an organic, uh, place of allowing the songs to just come naturally and especially with this new record, Time and Space, um, I've been on the road. I've got to give a lot of credit to just living on the road, being uh, on my own and surviving, that I, I, I'm approaching things from a very organic place and um, nothing other than just trying to write the best music, not trying to be anything other than just uh, the best singer-songwriter I possibly can be. Um, so the place came with the strings where I, the songs just called for them. They all call for uh, a, a little bit more texture on the painting that was being created in free song. Um, so working with those guys was incredible. It was cause I'm not a, a classical composer of any sort, but I do have that in my blood from a young age. I was always into Bach and, and uh, classical compositions, but um, I'm an ear guy. So working with those guys and humming out the melodies I was looking for is really cool. You know, we sat down and we only rehearsed once me and the, and, and I wow. told them what I was looking for. Um, and then we went in and we recorded the strings, uh, at a separate studio. We did the whole record at dreamland, but we did the strings at art form and, uh, accord New York, which is, uh, not too far from Woodstock, but it was, it was an incredible process and it just, it felt right. And, you know, of course, after now that the record's done, I feel like, you know, it'd be great to have strings on the next one. But to answer your question, it's just to make the songs, uh, to try and make the best music I possibly can and whatever calls for it, whether it's strings or, or horns or whatever may come in the future. That's, that's all that I care about. You know what I find awesome about it? If you were wondering. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm always wanting to hear feedback. I find it awesome because it's out of your comfort zone, man. Yeah. Like it's totally yeah. not, you know, not what you do. And, and even the sense of, um, I can't read, write, or do anything with music, you know, and I'm assuming that you're not a composer, but no. that didn't stop you. I'm not a composer in the sense of, uh, uh like we were talking earlier of, of writing it down, but it's all in my head, you know, uh, the music approach it's similar to Hendrix and I probably should take his advice because one of his biggest regrets was not learning how to read it. But, uh, I, I just, I love the process. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, if you think of it this way, this may be a bad analogy, but uh, I've seen people build amazing homes and they're not architects or, or carpenters. You know, they just, they figured it out and it had a very beautiful organic process to it. That's how I approach whether it's strings or any type of form of writing. It's all in my head and it just has to come out one way or another. Um, the guitar is natural and, and the voice and all that other stuff, it, it comes out, but the strings, that was a whole different animal. But I was ready for it though. 
I, I maybe I was a little I su- a little bit surprised at how quickly it happened, but I was I was prepared and ready for the challenge, and wow. it was it was pretty cool to. Uh, these guys are unbelievable. Um, Scott Moore, the viola player, he's toured with Natalie Merchant from Ten Thousand Maniacs, wow. and Andrew Burkowski is just one of the best cello players, and uh, he was at Daryl's. So, yeah. But I I I I thought this through too though. When the record was released, I said to myself, "This was amazing." But uh, just let the songs happen, and if they need strings, they'll be on the next record. But if not, that's okay. And how'd you feel collaborating with these dudes? Like they were the most humble guys because they could have easily said, "Oh well, I've toured with this and toured that." They didn't do that. Uh, one of the engineers on the records who who cut some of the vocals for me uh, has worked with some amazing people as well, and I had to dig it out of them. Uh, oh i've heard you worked with you know such and such and they just smiled a lot of there was a lot of i'm big into this too uh i don't really talk about this a lot but well actually i do but uh humility is huge with me come across these everyone on this record was so humble and uh i think that is like just as important if not more important than the music itself yeah to be humble yeah so i i totally agree too like just Keeping you ground, you know. I live in yeah. the woods because I want to just stay focused, as much in tune with like nature as I can. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, let's be honest. If something goes down in this world, I mean, as we get bigger in technology, it's it's only showing that like somebody could hack it and shut us all down that quick. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, I'd rather not feel. Uh, like I don't belong in nature, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if I was to come out, like, you know, I've hunted, I can grow vegetables. Like, yeah, I think I'll be all right. Well, it's <laughs> funny because one of the tracks on the record and even on the last record, but this one further from ourselves, it touches on that idea of the, 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 the day and age we live in now with the technology and stuff that it, it's good that you're in tune with the getting outdoors. That's where we used to be. And, uh, living on the road, there's a beauty in that too. When you get out there and you, you know, I go to water sources immediately, whether it's a river, lake, ocean, anything I can get near water. It just puts me in the right place musically. That's your Zen start. Yeah. Just to start writing, start creating, get close to water. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we'll go back to on the road. Actually. Um, I wanted to ask like, what's different now than then being on the road? Besides, you have a bigger vehicle. <laughs> yeah, well, the bigger vehicle's huge. I mean, it's it's funny uh, that that plays a huge part, a little more comforts. But um, wait, I just want you to tell everybody what your first tour was in. It was in a Chevy Cobalt. I called her Old Betsy, and yeah, that was a that was an interesting vehicle. I toured that for years, and I I used to have to pull my legs in close and sleep. And one time, I actually folded the back seats down and slept in the trunk just to get a little more leg room and that was terrible <laughs> but yeah that was rough um i did that for years and it was my home too living on the road in this little tiny chevy cobalt so i upgraded to uh my kia sedona van lovely rita a few years ago and it's been like heaven having the new vehicle has been a huge help but uh to answer your question on that uh what's different uh, what i've learned from um i think I've learned so much from the different cultures and different people. Uh, I've embraced so much of different uh, cultures and, and um, I've completely embraced the road to where it is me. It's my life. It's everything. Um, It's become my home. Um, It also has become the centerpiece for my songwriting. It's like 
all my creative expression comes from the road. Um, and also I've, I've learned, you're always learning what to not do though. You know, there's always going to be moments of, I shouldn't have done that. You know, you find venues that don't quite work well for you. Um, you're constantly learning, constantly growing from the road. Um, but one of the biggest, it's funny you started off with that is, is the vehicle that has been a huge help because <laughs> it gets, it can get rough, uh, being on the road for so long. The longest tour I did was three and a half years. Oh, Came God, home for a dude. few days and went back out. Yeah, I've been trying to get you here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the last record, Songs of New Sun, was three and a half years. Wow. Roughly. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. Uh, and every time like you kind of graze New York, I'm like, Dad, are you anywhere Yeah, close? yeah. Ah, oh, dude, I'm in for like yeah. four hours. And, and you've caught me two times you've caught me, which is funny is coincidentally, I was in Colorado. Yeah, I love it's my favorite place to tour. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't actually. Have I been? Yeah, I've been to Colorado, but it was an in and out thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, you need to go. And I just haven't stayed yeah. for a little bit. You may yeah. never leave. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we'll see. I still haven't made it out to Portland either. I got to make it out. Portland's there. great too. Yep. Yeah, um, you can see some old friends too. But like, so now you touring, right? You've been doing it for eight years. So is it easier now? Like, are you hitting up the same spots? Or are you like, you know what? I'm going to still challenge myself, still open up. Like? Oh, yeah. They, they, the shows get better. And uh, I think I'm, one thing that would be a huge help is to obviously to get on as an opener for like a, a really big act. I've seen some friends that have done some incredible stuff, tournament like Jack Johnson, things like that, or bigger names. But you're always, when you're writing and you, you have your music and you, you believe in it, your goal is just to keep getting better shows and keep bringing those folks back out and hopefully they bring more friends. Um, so yeah, the shows get better and you're, you, there's still ones where you, you know, you, you take a risk on some surprise you, some are smaller and they're way better than the bigger ones. Um, so yeah, you're constantly growing, constantly learning. Um, but the ultimate goal is to, to get to, uh, fill all the rooms you go into and and hopefully each one of those people if it's a collective they start bringing you know the word of mouth type thing i'm i'm big into the jam bands i'm big into those those bands where it's grassroots and you know hey did you hear about this guy oh yeah and then they bring out another guy and they bring out a group of friends um that's the most important thing to me being on the road it's just trying to make it a community type thing the curiosity that i have is you know your compensation right is it more now that you've been on the road like do you call the shots like who how who determines how much you get paid on these gigs and stuff each venue's different and uh you know if you're playing a venue or a brewery winery house concert uh it's all different um sometimes they'll come straight in with a rate uh, you know if it's a rate you like you go with it if you know if it's not within what you're looking for then you could work with them uh you know major venues stuff like that they're pretty set um but you know you'll set your own rate at other places um house concerts are very different too you know they could change so it's all different it, it comes down to uh valuing what you bring to the table but also being smart and and uh working with people as well you know so did you raise your rate like have you raised your rate over the years have you figured out your value like i mean you're composing with strings now so <laughs> well i mean like a major venue uh yeah if i'm playing a bigger venue it's not even the sense of they they'll know your value so they'll work with me too i've had other ones where it goes up but uh 
I try to be smart about it to where, yeah, what I'm bringing to the table and what they have to offer, find a good balance, but I try not to uh, get crazy either. You know what I mean? You have to, it just mainly comes down to knowing your value and uh, what you're worth um, without it being uncomfortable for everybody. Everyone needs to be happy. Right, so, right. Um, That's cool that you do get to set, like, in certain, in certain so, situations. Yeah, some you do and some you don't, you know, and and some you have to turn away because you know you're worth way more than that you know what i mean um and others you got to be smart like if they're offering something but you know it's a great spot you know they're gonna f it's gonna fill up and you could sell a ton of cds then you take it you know uh but you also don't want to get lowballed you know because it's an interesting time with music where uh some places will see how far they can go with that and others respect you they just know, they know what the music's worth. So when you're self-efficient and you're on your own, or if you have a band, it's, I think it's much harder with a band. Yeah, you're dealing with a lot that. more people, yeah. but if you're self-efficient, yeah, you got to know your value. You got to know what you're worth. And, um, I think you've got two different animals. You got the ones that know what you're worth and they try to work with you or they give you even more. And then you have the other ones that either know or just don't care. And they just see how much, you know, yeah. how low they can go. <laughs> and did you learn that over time? Like, yeah, you you can get a pretty quick read on the ones that um, value the musician, the artist. Um, there's also some places that are just, you know, they're new, and you got to understand that. And they're trying. And and you, if it's something that you believe in, you want to see them grow. You work with them, right? Um, it's tough, though, you know. A lot of things with what we do, it's a good question because a lot of things that what we're doing is they're, they don't understand how much is invested into just getting you the gig and the time and the effort and how much it's going to cost to get to the next gig and all those other things. Um, so yeah, it, it should be immediate, but it's not um, that idea of compensation and knowing what's fair to the artist. Yeah, and that also brings you into like, I don't want to say competition i mean so we have guys like in our industry that you know they lowball man they, yeah. they go and do videos for like nothing mm -hmm. you know and you're like you know you you could even private message them and be like what are you doing yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah of course you're killing it for everybody else yeah so, of course like do you guys have that as well with your i mean thing? It, it i i'm sure that's part of it too and it but it, the way i look at it this way is if they do that you've got to look at the big picture. So say they're bringing in people that are doing it for like absolutely nothing. And the music is just not up to par. Then they don't appreciate the people that are coming in to see the music or if it's a restaurant or a venue or a bar or wine or whatever it may be, you get what you pay for. Right? So what you guys, you bring in your talents in as a, a filmmaker, director, movie maker, television. And if those guys are dropping it down to pretty much nothing, they're going to get what they pay for. Right. So mm -hmm. it should be the same in all, you know, we're all trying to eat, right. We're all right. trying to survive. And I think it's difficult for, for, we're all artists, you know, you're an artist too. We're, we're all in the arts. And, um, these are great questions, by the way. It, it It's true though. It's, uh, it is frustrating because you, there's this feeling inside of you where you start to get in the earlier years, you get uncomfortable with these questions but then it's it's a confidence thing. Like, yeah, we deserve it. Yeah. This is our art. This is what we do. Um, and we believe in it. So, yeah, we should. I mean, every other art for art shouldn't. 
you know, any type of line of work, you get paid. Yeah. You get paid, uh, and especially whether it's a business or uh, even an entrepreneur, if they know you're worth that value, they pay you without question. Um, when you get into the arts, though, it's like kind of they, they try to pick prices and yeah you know what i mean they put they try to pin your the passion ones that care you. though i get you well the way that the way it comes what it really comes down to is the ones that care that truly believe in the music and, and all of it they really will work with you or they will support you um you just got to navigate it it's a constant that's one thing where it's you're constantly learning and growing from it um i'm still learning from it it's always i think i mean i don't, I don't think we'll ever not learn from it yeah you know? like i think once you've opened yourself up to it yeah you're always can learn something new and right and, always... and if you think about it too like if you're like i'm self-efficient and all that stuff uh you know when you get involved with a label i, I can't even imagine like a major label the the terror of that because now you're putting your trust and faith into that and if it's good and they support you they'll support you um but if not you know your your livelihood could be on the line yeah, you know, I've seen I've seen horror stories. I don't know if you've heard of them, where you've got these incredible bands that are out there touring and they're putting up. I I I wouldn't name the band, but there was a, a duo where they put up their mortgage on their house and they sold out every venue and they wow. came back and they were in the negatives. Wow. Yeah, they were in the negatives because the label was taking all the money and wow. they were seeing nothing. I, I stay positive. I'm. Uh, I am a. I, I always lean towards the hopefulness of it but um i'm in a place now where i i i feel very good with what i'm doing musically and the rest you just got to keep grinding you got to yeah. grind away you know and and not have that mindset of oh you know someone will discover me or this or that it's just uh writing the best possible music and trying to get as many people on board to follow and support you and come and there's nothing more beautiful than like the Daryl's house release show and all those people that came and packed the place and they spent their harder money to see and hear these songs that I worked so hard on. I, I don't ever take that for granted. You know, um, well, you, you did put on a great show. Dude. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's just that idea. That's what I want every night. You know, like you just, there's nothing more beautiful than having friends and new and family and new friends come in and you meet them and new fans and, and they're, they're I'm going to come to the next show. I'm going to support you. And the other beauty of it too is that I left out is the beauty of community with the musicians. There's not enough of it where they support each other and they throw the name out of the next guy. Um, a dear friend of mine, Ian Flanagan, amazing, amazing musician. Uh, I highly recommend people check him out. He's, he's one of those guys, you know, he's just looking always always helping others always helping others and he's one of the best musicians i've ever come across and uh we've been friends since so it's a it's a collective of uh the fans supporting but also the musicians helping each other out too and i would think with your industry the same thing these guys trying to work with each other with film help yeah. each other out yeah yeah there's great guys that you know same thing it's uh, my industry i mean me personally i'm all word of mouth so uh you know which is awesome. if i do great for somebody they're gonna recommend me to other guys and and i've and, heard about with you where every single one of them was uh it was a positive uh feedback which was from word of mouth correct yeah 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 I, <laughs> that's I mean, pretty huge yeah i try i try to you know i definitely strive for that and, and try to just give you it know, doesn't get any more organic than that i don't think <laughs> <laughs> yeah same thing like you want to make the best music i try to make the best video yeah I can. 
uh right that's what we do that's it and yeah that's why people you know pay us to do what we do yeah you know? i mean i can't imagine doing anything else really yeah you know well it, but it, it, i guess just to echo on what we were saying before it is a bizarre thing that you even would ever have to question it but we're constantly put into this position of having to question what we're worth yeah because we're in the arts and the arts uh it's it can go either way depending on who's viewing you and who supports you in the industry. Yeah. So imagine somebody was like, Hey, can you make a spec album for me? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the classic post on is always the one about, and they do it. It tends to be for musicians, but I think it's for, for your industry and for artists and painters and all that stuff where they say, you know, uh, what's the line where, you know, come on over and fix the plumbing. We'll feed you dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. but it's, it's, I laugh at it, but it's so true. You know, if you don't laugh, you cry. It's true. Like they would never do that for a carpenter or no. like, it's just with the arts. Yeah. And for some reason it's, I don't know if it's, it's cause it's not a tangible thing they can hold or. Well, in fairness, like the, the, what we, you know, we were talking about earlier is in fairness, there are some where you do know that they're really just trying to get on their feet. And if you support them and you know what they're doing, uh, you want to support them as well. Like, because you know, they really are in it to help the music and they've got a vision as well. And then there's the other ones that are just, they just don't support them. Uh, there's a couple that have been put in the news too, where they, a uh, couple venues where they weren't paying the artist. Oh, I mean, it's gotta yeah. be embarrassing. Oh, it's yeah. gotta be embarrassing. I mean, when you're making a lot of money and you're just lowballing musicians, that's not right. No. Because they're helping you, you know, that place is existing because you have musicians yeah. going that night. And that happens with, I mean, all around the board in the arts with music where the... Um, I mean, you packed Daryl's house on a Sunday night. It was a good night. Sunday night. It was dude. a good night. And they're great to me. In the pouring rain. <laughs> it was pouring Yeah, it was that pouring. Night. But that was a good night and they're they're great. They're good to me. But uh, it happens also with streaming and, and selling your music too. Uh, you got to be really smart with it and figure it out because... Uh, there's only a handful of places where the, the musician is getting what they deserve. Yeah. Uh, if you think about it, that why the industry is collapsing in a lot of ways is because these artists are selling, you know, some of them are even selling millions of records and they get like a small percentage, a very small of oh, all yeah. that hard work yeah. that they put in and they're in debt. So it's, it's got to come down to the, the beauty of music has to come down to the, just being in it for the right reasons and, there are some really great musicians out there that are just so inspiring. Gregory Allen Isakov is my absolute favorite artist right now. He's someone I look to. I went and saw him on Halloween and I looked up at the venue and I said, I know I can do this. You know, it's a much bigger venue than what I'm used to, but I, I told myself, I know I can do this. And he's part of that reason. Um, his humility and his drive and the songs he's producing, he's a big reason where the strings came in for me. The songs call for it, but he was part of that influence of just, I'm so inspired by him. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's a number of things with that. Uh, value. So that's cool that you still get inspired oh, to do man. something like. Yeah, when you, and I'm sure for you too as well with film, like you, when you find something you appreciate, especially in this weird age we live in now where they're pumping out a lot of nonsense. When you find somebody that encourages you and inspires you, you cling on as tight as you can. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's with my friends, too. The two I mentioned, Dave Johnson and Virginia Beach and my friend Ian Flanagan from Socrates, 
uh, and so many other musicians, uh, uh, friends of mine, uh, Swamp Candy from Annapolis. Uh, I've got, there's just many I've met that, you know, you follow them along the way. Uh, there's this guy, his name's John Craigie. Uh, never, I opened for him in New York City years ago. And he, I've been following him ever since. Ever yeah. since. And he just recently toured with Jack Johnson. Um, but he's still, he came back. He's still doing his solo singer songwriter thing. He fills up rooms, but he's still doing that organic thing where, uh, he didn't let that get to his head, you know, going and touring with Jack. But I guess what I'm getting at is I've, the people that I appreciate, I'll follow them and follow them. And he's, he's inspired me too. He's like the, the essence of the troubadour. He's a big reason we're getting in the van and just going, he was doing yeah. it long before I was. But um, it is good to find people that inspire you too and and encourage you, uh, especially when you're all on your own. You need that as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I think that <clears throat> you've built a nice community for yourself, which is great because I, I feel like without social media, you wouldn't even have that. You know? Right, like, that's the blessing of social media, right. Imagine doing it now, like how guys did it back then. Would you drive down the road with your, like just throwing flyers out in random states? And you're like, well, oh. yeah, it's funny too, because a lot of places, it's like a no-no now. The flyers used to be cool. I don't know if they're cool with that anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, like, so I don't know about everywhere, but a lot of times you got to ask permission. Uh, some venues, uh, and I, I respect it too, I don't do it, but uh, I've heard stories of people never being asked back because they put up flyers when they were, specifically not supposed wow. to wow yeah so you got to be very careful with that one <laughs> <laughs> you're like i just put up six social media nah, posts yeah yeah but no, don't put social, up water not of them exactly yeah so <laughs> that sucks <laughs> that really does suck yeah it's a different age we're in so uh, i think they they prefer it on more of the social media versus the yeah right a lot of places still do the flyer thing but the, you've got to be careful where you put them up now do you have like some goal venues for yourself like that you're like i want to hit i've always wanted to play this venue have you hit some of those goal venues that you've wanted to play like i mean i remember when i got asked to uh i don't think he he, he no longer works uh for daryl's house but i remember when i got asked it was like i was like maybe the second show there and everyone came out packed the whole place that was a cool thing but um with all the different tours going on, playing, I've played uh, the House of Blues in New Orleans was incredible. That was super cool. Um, Nectars in Vermont was super cool. And there's a lot of there's a lot of venues along the way that were great. But to answer your question with that, I just want to fill up listening rooms. There's something about, um, I'll of course I'll take any big venue. It's fine <laughs> with me. But I, there's something beautiful about the listening rooms, especially the older ones, where people come in and they just sit down and they're there to hear you play. Um, I love it all though. I'm a strange and you know, you've known my musical stuff, the catalog of, I'm into everything, all different genres. So I also am into the festivals and having people dance around. Um, but there's something to be said about the listening room where you could tell your story and you could, and, and, and people are there just so in tune with the music. So I'd love to just do that on a higher level all that's around awesome. the U S yeah, yeah, that's, that's the awesome. ultimate goal. People coming out, filling up the room that actually will come up and buy the CD and talk to you and follow you. Because I know that feeling, you know, we're, we're fans before what we do. Um, I just bought Greg, one of Gregory's albums that I didn't have, Isaacoff's, and I, I've been a fan ever since I heard him. And there's nothing better than just the new record coming out or the new movie coming out that you wanted oh, to see. Yeah. And you go and you spend your harder money and you go see them. So I'll always be a fan too. 
Um, so seeing that more that filling up rooms that come to see your music, all your harder work that you put into it, and they came out and supported you is the ultimate goal. We're going to shift gears yeah. for a second because you do music 24-7. What do you like? What do you do for work life? Like we call it work life balance, where like you need that time out from you know. But do you have a work life balance? Like, do you ever I, stop? My life is insane. I don't really know how to describe it. Um, I, I spoke about it a little bit before. Um, when I'm not performing, <clears throat> I'm in tune with nature a lot. I, I go whether I'm hiking. Uh, you've seen my tours. Uh, I adore Colorado. The entire state could be a national park. I also love Moab. I love going, you know, seeing the canyons. And uh, so I try to just get out. And the part of the reason why is it gets a little chaotic when you're around a lot of people, and um, and and then being completely alone. Um, I find the balance is being out in nature and being around things like that. Uh, it calms my spirit, calms me down. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I'm doing most of the time. If I'm not performing, I'm, I'm out, you know, in nature one way or another. Well, now it's one of my favorite things. Mine too. Let's speak about that for a second. Though. Yeah. Like being alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. like I gotta say, dude, I give it to you because I, I can't, I, I can't dude. I, you gotta I be, could be. I like my alone time. Yeah. You know what I mean. Like I'm cool with my alone time. We yeah. go along great. It's such a good feeling, you know. Uh, but you could be days. Right? I've been months sometimes. Not months. That's not the way. But yeah, months in a sense. Aside from the show, um, Did, was that something that you thought about before ever going on tour, being a touring musician? Um, was like the alone no, I, I. It just goes back to what you were asking me about. Like, what was was the tour? What you expected or the shows? And I had I had all these different things in my head. Um, you know, now it's it's different because I have more places to stay and whatnot and things like that. But there are other times where, yeah, you're alone quite a bit. Um, so you do have to check in on yourself <laughs> and make sure you do it. All right. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, going in, like once you're fully invested, that's when you make that decision. Am I really, can I do this? Can I handle this? Cause some musicians, it's, it's just too tough for them. Um, what's that full investment? Like when you say like the full investment, well, you're fully invested in the sense that you, you, you you're completely, there's, you only have yourself to blame for everything, which is, there's a beauty in that. And there's, it's very scary, like, you know, car issues, um, uh, just everything you're, you're alone. So you, you have to, uh, you got to prepare yourself beforehand, you know, before you get back out on the road again, you know, I love being around my family when I come home and when I'm with friends around the way, but I've grown to love it though. Uh, because there's there is a beauty there's a beauty and a sadness in it and i've if i didn't if i wasn't doing this for so long i obviously would see more of the sadness in it but it's finding the balance of the two i think yeah being alone that much so and, <clears throat> is that something that you think would break people like most it definitely tests you i mean there's moments even now like you question it you're like this is insane this is absolutely <laughs> insane um the last but the the last tour was like it was three and a half years in a sense of like you know i would come back home and be home for a few days or i'd 
but it was ultimately that long, but it wouldn't have been that long if I didn't love it. So I'm not complaining one bit, but yeah, there are definitely some times where you're like, man, this is insane. Especially when it gets really cold, the winters can be tough. You know, you try to get in, uh, I only have had a few couple freaks, uh, situations where I was in Colorado, I camped out and, uh, <clears throat> there was nobody at the campsite. I cracked my knuckles, made a fire. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, you're out, you're, it's like you have your own little Island or something. And there was a reason <laughs> for that. <laughs> I didn't look at the weather and I woke up the next morning and my whole van was completely white and I wiped my window off and woke up to a massive snowstorm. And it was close to the Ure Pass, which is one of the most dangerous, you know, areas to wow. travel over. So what would have taken me about 20 minutes to get down into maybe 30 minutes, or whatever, it took me like two hours just driving, terrified. Oh. <laughs> that part's tough. Uh, so yeah. And summers can get tough when it's really hot. Um, that part of the alone factor gets rough, those things like that. But there's so much time to where you can... Your focus, though, I guess that's the the blessing of it. You have so much time to sit there and say, "All right, I can really hone in on this this idea I have in for a song." Um, where it can get tough when you come around friends you haven't seen in a while or family. Uh, I've literally there's been times where I have to separate myself because I've been doing this for so long by myself. Where I'll have to leave and go write a song in a parking lot somewhere or whatever, just because I'm I'm freaking out. I need yeah. to get the song out. Um, traveling on, I wrote, I think in a Panera bread parking lot and, and I wanted to be with my family, but I, I had to get away and I just sat there and I wrote the song and then I went and saw them because <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you're so used to being alone and then you're around too many people, you can't focus. So it's a bizarre life. <laughs> it's a crazy life, but it's a beautiful life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, that, that's just, that's awesome. You have to be crazy. Uh, I've embraced the crazy part of me, I guess. <laughs> That's what makes it. I mean, you see, hear it in the music, though. It comes yeah. out in the music now. Which yeah, is I think really the nice. ultimate reward, I appreciate you saying that the ultimate reward is is in the music. Uh, I think the road plays a huge part, especially in, in this record and the one before, where um, if I hadn't sacrificed everything and just got in my car, I don't know if the, these songs would have been much different. And I'm looking forward to what's next because I'm, there's no turning back for me. This is it. Yeah. It's what I know, it's what I love because. That I think me and you were talking about earlier is when you know when you have a vision and a goal of get to something to get to, you, you drive so hard to get to it. And then when you, you're there, you just want to keep going forward. You don't want to turn back. Um, so there's, yeah, there's no looking back. So like what, um, what does it feel like for you? Because you put so much into being on the road, so much into, you know, like all the money that you get, you're like, all right, yeah. now you've <clears throat> invested Oh, you're yeah. the sole investor into your next album. Yeah. Yeah. So you're taking essentially three and a half years of being on tour, sleeping in your car, doing all that. Like, how important is the next record for you? And like, do you did you I hate to say the word, but did you sell out? Like, did you feel like you had to make music that's gonna sell, or did you feel like you needed to No, and I mean I'm not even anywhere close to that level of a sellout thing where, you know, big arenas and all that stuff. To me, it's just all about the music. Um, there's nothing more beautiful than uh, having those people come and see you. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just at a good place where I'm just, you just write the best possible music. And uh, I don't, I think that the, the road and the experiences has been part of 
my craftsmanship has come from that where uh like trying to appeal to something there's there's no desire for that it has to be organic otherwise i won't write it um so like the industry in a sense uh, i was told about one of the songs was a little bit longer than what radio would call for but i'm still writing it you know Mm -hmm. it's got to come from the heart it's got to come from the experience and take it or leave it and that i think that's also what drew me and attracted me to some of that jam band thing because i've went through i love so many different genres but that beauty in the sense is they were never in it for anything other than the music and i think when you go down a different road it gets it gets scary and and it probably will cause you to either not want to play anymore or just there's no more life in the music anymore because you're doing it for the wrong reasons right because i mean you could have easily we talked about this before but like you know you could have easily said all right i'm taking these songs banging them out in guitar boom album done back on the road yeah instead you're like i want to add strings to it not only do i want to add a violin i want to add a cello i want to add you paid all these people yeah you know to be on the record and do that like that was money out of your own pocket which is like one of the i i feel it just speaks volumes again of like you know for you um you're like i have to make it what i want it to be mm-hmm. regardless of the price regardless of whatever it is oh yeah and, uh, they're all amazing musicians and um whatever the songs call for you you bring on to the the project uh and this one call for every part of it um yeah if, if you value it's like with everything else if you value something whether it's your art or your business you you put whatever it takes into it so that's where i came up with burn to earn burn money to earn money yeah it's true and and i like what you said about with that idea of uh preparing for each tour and each record because yeah you the other aspect that people don't see is that you're doing all these things but they don't know what's being you're reinvesting everything back into it so uh everything from each tour gets put right back into the next one and i already know for the next project i'm preparing you have to be prepared for the next one and i think and i i don't know for a fact but i would assume that a lot of these guys were girls that are trying to survive in the music world which is really difficult something that might be disheartening to them is part of this idea of like they just pumped out a record they put all that money in it they got to get the money back and also surviving on the road whether they do it full-time or not can get a little bit overwhelming. Um, the encouragement that I'd put for any one of them is if they really, truly, truly believe in it, uh, it will come around. You know, uh, if they invest their heart and soul into the music. And uh, sometimes they find other ventures, which are fine too. You know, there there's some people out there that have more than one talent and there's nothing wrong with... Uh, uh, moving on to that next venture for me, I know this is all I got. I know music is everything for me. So, uh, uh but who knows where that will lead you? Like that's that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. where that will lead you, and uh, <clears throat> especially because you're so passionate and invested into music, you right? Know? Like I think that it it can lead you to so many different things. Like even if you were a music teacher, like if it led you somehow to being a music teacher. I think you'd be one of the best music teachers. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd have to go back to school for that one. <laughs> you you can't teach them how to read or write it, but you're going to teach them how to play it. <laughs> <laughs> well, music is, it's there's different avenues too with, with, uh, in film as well, but music where, you know, the, the younger me would say, hell no, 
but uh, now uh, seeing other artists that I admire, that I really admire, where they've certain songs have went to movies and like they 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 don't sell it, but they they'll get paid by it. And uh, with you know, um, it's it's a different avenue where you're you're touring, you're doing your music, and if there's a movie that you love or or something that you support, and they they support what you're doing as well it's kind of full circle. It could be a beautiful process. And I've, I've seen musicians where, uh, there was maybe even a short clip of a song or a part of a song. And it was in a killer movie that they loved. That That's another Avenue too, where, you know, musicians can survive a little bit with that as well. So it, it, there's other avenues along the way, but ultimately for me, just being on the road and touring and, and playing, as many shows as possible and just creating as many records as possible is all I care about. <laughs> you know, the funny part of like where I got my mixing board from that we were looking at before, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the guys like, you know, some big, you know, he said he had a studio cause I went to his apartment when I yeah. bought it. Um, but you know what he told me he did? He mixed cartoons. Wow. <laughs> it's like, wow. Oh, it's <laughs> like oh you okay. expect that yeah because he was like oh yeah he goes i mean i make music as well but yeah. it's like mainly with this board i mix cartoons you know and like, like never thought of like that even being a thing right you know yeah, totally there's a there's a million <laughs> things like uh, i guess you know because i my, my first uh influence was metal and you know it's like no 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 just the music and, I, and i'm all for the music but if if uh it was something that i believed in and if it was a a film score like i i love seeing uh uh different films where an artist where i'm like wow that's really great I'm, i don't not big into the whole commercial thing you know mm. in commercials you look like more of a tarantino just uh, like it's yeah it's just i've seen exactly you know just really great movies or scores and whatnot uh number for christmas is it danny elfman the guy yeah, he's done so. that uh he just i just saw a video on him and how he composes and it was so interesting. He's, I love all his music. He's, I think he did Pee Wee Herman and he did uh big fish, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, yeah. The list goes on and on and on and on night before Christmas. But he loves Tim Burton. I just, that's a different Avenue where along with what I'm doing and touring, whether it's pieces of these songs that I've written, or even if I've create possibly create stuff for movies, it's not something I've, uh, I would turn off. I, I've been, it might be another desire along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. could be cool. That's really music cool. is 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 beauty if you're if you're coming from the right place with it. You know, uh, right now everything is invested completely into the songwriting and the touring and stuff. But um, other ventures are cool too. Songwriting with with movies would be cool too. So, so what do you say is like one of the biggest things for you? In terms of like overhead, you don't necessarily have overhead, but I would assume going on tour, you're making sure that Rita's nice and tuned up. And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to, yeah, you have to, uh, you have money aside to, for that stuff. Like Rita has been good to me. Love my van, lovely Rita. <laughs> uh, she's been good to me, but we did have to do some work. My dad helped me out. He lives out in Vegas and, had to do some tune-up work, put all new tires on, everything like that. And I had the money ready for that. So it's preparing that because that's home. That's my yeah, home. Yeah. So that's important. That part's crucial. And having things ready for emergencies, um, 
So have you become more financially responsible? Yeah, hundred like, percent. On- oh yeah, because we first started out. On- <laughs> I don't, even, I don't even know what to tell you about. I mean, my first tour, I told you, I went, did the tour, and then went and gambled and lost everything. <laughs> Dan's gotten way better. <laughs> More responsible is the good word. I mean, I, I have my fun, but yeah, I, I actually am pretty proud of that where I've, it's discipline because what happens is you're not going and playing a show and going into your home and sleeping and, and uh, if there's an emergency, uh, all of your you know, are at your disposal. You're now in your van. Anything could happen at any moment. You've got to be prepared for all that. So, um, I've disciplined myself financially, mentally, all that stuff. I think mentally is probably the most crucial for all people living on the road, whether you're a musician or, or any entrepreneur of any sort, check in on yourself mentally. <laughs> it's important. Like when you think would be an awesome thing if they had, some kind of, I don't know if it's a site or something, but like if everybody was, everybody, you know, touring musicians or whatever, like if I could purchase a hotel room for them or something, like donate a hotel room or something like, like that would be cool. Hmm. You know I, what I, I mean? Like when I've heard something like that, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> like, you know, like it's almost like a GoFundMe, but not really. Like it would be like a different thing where you could help out people that are on the road. And yeah. like, you know, if you just want to feel good and donate to them. And- I think they, they have something for musicians. I haven't done it. It's called Patreon. And I think you could do it as well. Oh yeah. I, I, I believe it's, uh, I've got to look more into it, but I believe it's something where they can donate what they want to the cause. And I think you've got to, you know, if you, you want to give them a video once a week or something like that. Um, you could check into that yourself as well. Uh, I have a few musician friends who have done it, um, but I don't know enough about it, mm. but I think that's, it's different than what you're saying, but yours is really a great idea too. But I think that's, it's another way to help out independent, you know, musicians, artists, entrepreneurs of any sort. Yeah. What do you do? You use a laptop, you use your cell phone, uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> all the stuff that we hate and love at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it just, it's, it's one of those things where you, you hate it, but then like you don't have it, you know, you're like, Oh man, where is it? And you go to reach for it type thing. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about like when you lost your cell phone. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And, like I'm, what a commodity. Like, Oh man, I was in Colorado. Yeah. And I played a gig had a great night and some dropped it somewhere and yeah, it was the first thing I'm reaching for and, and it's not a good feeling, yeah. but the couple of days I didn't have it were great. It was great. <laughs> but of course, financially or uh, from the business side of it, it was scary, yeah, but I have my laptop, but you know, when you're on the road and you're living in your van, you know, it's, it's good to have it to check your emails and any messages that come through that might be an emergency or booking. Right. Uh, I've got a booking agent in Florida where they send me it and I just immediately accept it. It's like that quick. Be nice to have more of that, you know, like more booking agents. I think part of the goal, um, I want to tour Europe pretty soon. Ah. And uh, that is a different avenue for me um, with this record. And I think that's where it's going to be a little bit different, uh, getting out of the comfort zone type thing where I might have to hire someone for that. But it would be a, a good thing, I think. So I have a couple more for you. Yeah. One of them is uh, I've traveled, so I've had this moment. I I don't know if I'm the only person that's had this moment, but I've been, and it doesn't have to necessarily be overseas or anything, but yeah. I've been in a place where I realize that I don't know anybody. Yeah. I don't know yeah. anything. <laughs> 
and anything can go down at any moment you know uh where in like i said in you're in a crowd like and i was in a crowded area where yeah <laughs> in another country where i'm like i could be taken you know what i mean like you can get taken like yeah, yeah. and all that has that ever crossed your mind being on the road and i toured well i didn't tour europe but i i went out there with a, a one of my good friends and uh yeah you know that was all new new for me and this is before i toured like now going i feel way more comfortable because i've been on my own for so long um but it was different being out there it was like ooh, anything could happen and i don't know anybody out here but there's also a beauty in that isn't there kind of like being out of your comfort except for that that strange moment the strange moments of like there's a difference between the fear of like the fear of the unknown versus the fear of something bad happening to you. That's not good. But the fear of the unknown and the excitement of what the beauty of, of, uh, being in a new place is pretty cool. Not well, knowing I, the language and things like that. Well, I guess you couldn't have one without the other, right? Yeah, like, exactly. So I think you, it sounded like in the, in the long run, you loved it. It was a beautiful thing, uh, being out of that comfort zone. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think, I think I just need to be smart in my decision making about tours uh in Well, it was places. beautiful. It was beautiful like after I got out of that scary situation. Once I was yeah, out of that scary yeah. situation. I did have one in Spain where I was surrounded by some guys and I actually made up my own language. Oh, sweet. And I started speaking in this language. I don't know if they were going to hurt me. I mean, it could all be in my head, but they I was they were kind of circled around me and uh I just started speaking in this made up language i made up and uh it was more of like a joke and then i used it and it worked they all separated and they were like saying in their language like what what's up with that it was amazing that was but it was that was a scary moment <laughs> i was awesome. like and they just all parted that was awesome <laughs> dude that is so yeah, great that's like that spraying was, bear maze but th- i think about this though the i was only out there maybe like three weeks and that was the only moment and I didn't allow it to dictate the rest of the trip. We had an amazing time playing. We were playing in the streets, uh, me and Sam Farrell, you know, Sam. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was amazing. But that one moment goes to what you had said. Uh, it was it was a little bit intimidating because I didn't, he, Sam was nowhere around. It was just me. Yeah. And uh, it just came out. It just through his instinct. That was smart. <laughs> That's smart, man. I remember I just was like, I'll punch anybody. <laughs> I'll punch anybody well, we live in, in the a face. scary age. You never know. Yeah. carrying. So. Yeah, and especially when you realize you're like, I don't know the rules here. I don't know. I know nothing. You know? To touch like, on, it's a different, but at the same time, the same of uh, what we're talking about is that one thing I've learned in traveling is with all this crazy division, all this stuff that's happening is there's more beauty if you just get out there. There's a lot of beauty uh, to be had. Of course, there's uh, we've got a lot of uh, not so friendly people, but. There is a lot of beauty. We live in a beautiful country and there's a lot of beauty out in other countries to be seen. Um, it's the, it's the excitement of embracing the unknown, getting out there and seeing it. Uh, I encourage everyone, even if you're not like an entrepreneur or a musician or an artist, just, or whatever, to, just to get out there and travel yeah. and see it. Yeah. I want to see more of this country. Cause I, I, you know, oh, again, you the times that I, I do, <clears throat> it's like from, office building to office building, you know, maybe we get a snack someplace or a meal someplace and then right on a plane. And for someone that's, whether you're married or, you know, like for me, it's just me on my own and traveling, but some people may step in something and they're like, wow, they may find a place that they never dreamed. And now they're living there. Like there's people that go out there. The West is unreal. Yeah. 
Um, I was in, um, where was I? Uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the place Bob that Dylan's I Dylan's from, go. right? Isn't he from I think there? so, actually. I think. Um, but that's a place like I've never ever would have gone to. Same thing, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Like you know, some I've been certain there. Yeah, certain I've been small, right? So like yeah. when you hear people say Chattanooga, because there's a small airport and that's it. I have a funny Chattanooga story. I was sleeping in my car as I do, and it was when I was in Old Betsy, the Chevy Cobalt, and I was in a random parking lot, and this cop came up, knocked on the door, and you, you, that's something you don't really want to ever have happen. But he was super nice. He's like what you doing? And, uh, I told him what I did and, uh, I gave him a CD and he goes, he told me that he remembered Charlie. It was a really old guy. He's like, I remember Charlie Daniels when he was playing, like the, that one down in Georgia, he saw him like in backyards playing, uh, before like he was real big, just playing in backyards and stuff. And it was a trip. It was a crazy trip. That's was, awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a Sorry, awesome man. story. No. Um, that's what I find like uh, ex- especially cool about being on the road and meeting people is you hear stories. You know, I talked with a guy that <clears throat> um, he was a dolly grip, um, and he, you know, partied with Russell Crowe, like yeah. you know, and 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 you know, said Russell Crowe's you know at least cool with him. He's yeah. <laughs> like we're cool, and yeah. you know, he's a great guy, and we have a great time. You know, and you hear. You know, it wasn't like a name drop thing, yeah, but it was no. like, you know, hey, this guy's cool. Yeah. You know, or you just hear just, you know, people that talk about being on the road too, man. Well, that's the thing with the road too, is you're meeting people that like people that aren't famous of any sort and you're just meeting the most interesting people. Uh, I'm trying to like, there was a, there's too many to list, but you're meeting these people that they all have a different story. And I don't know if you do this, but like, uh, I'm not a people watcher, but I, I observe things and I always wonder like, you know, I'll look at them like, I wonder what, what their lives like. And, or, or, and, you know, I just, I guess, cause maybe cause I'm alone a lot and I've, I haven't really written about it, but you know, you, you see them and you're like, I wonder where they're heading to or like <clears throat> who they know or what they do, you know, and, and just Maybe I do people watch sometimes, I guess, and didn't really catch it. But it's uh, you're alone so much, but there's there's so many different things happening, and you're meeting so many different interesting people. Everyone's got a different story. Yeah, some are boring, and some are incredible. Yeah. And some that you know you would you would never expect. When we were recording my last record, uh, one of the guys that was living on the property, I, the most insane stories I've ever heard in my life. Just this regular guy, but it was so cool, you know. Yeah. Every, everyone's got a story <laughs> yeah a different well, well, story to tell yeah everybody has their own stories and that's what led me to doing this podcast was everybody's stories man yeah. you know like just their startups and 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 so funny because even looking at somebody like yourself mm-hmm. you know traveling you still you still hit as many things on this sheet as most people do how to stay motivated how to you know um becoming more financially responsible you know how do you deal with competition and motivation you know, you mentioned because uh, that can be tricky like even you know people they see pictures and and facebook and all those things can be deceiving for anybody but there's times where you're not motivated and you're like the hell with this or whatever you know you, you can't you've got to fight through it for any business or any art form um uh for example not this record, but the one before I released it at Daryl's and it was 
packed, sold out. And then the next night I drove uh, and they double booked me. And I was like, man. And, you know, they pay me, but it was like, it sucked. It was like, so I lost a little. And then the next gig I went and it was, the PA was horrific. So it was very difficult because you go from this extreme high of like a sold out show and, you know, got rid of, pumped out a bunch of records, a double booking, and then just a horrible, the the place was great, good people, but the the PA was feedback the whole time. You have to stay motivated and you got to stay positive you know, for any business or any line of work. Um, so for any musicians that you got, I have to encourage them with that, where you always look towards the positive part and what got you to do that in the first place to stay motivated and stay positive and look for the good in all of it. Because otherwise you're just going to hell with this. I don't want to do this anymore because <laughs> <laughs> it can get rough. Motivation is, is huge. Um, I want to just go back to the album for a yeah, second. Yeah. Um, in you choosing to do the band thing, right? <clears throat> I'm assuming you're a tour. You're not going to be touring with a band. No. So were you worried when you did this record that you were like, oh, people may not, you know, maybe they're not going to hear the whole band. Is this a good decision? Is this not a good decision? Yeah. How did you decide? That's one of, probably my favorite question you asked because uh, I don't worry about that anymore, but I did when, when it was exactly what we just talked about when I released the... Uh, uh, it was it was first time with the band since I was younger. Since you know, you remember the early days when I played with bands. It was the first one with a full band because everything before that I played solo. I played Daryl's probably four times before that all by by myself. It's what I was used to, and we released it. And I immediately I missed the band. I missed my friends, you know, and uh, it took a little time because what happened was we made the record and I released it. There was no touring, none of that before that. I. We, we we made the record in October and then we released it in January and then I was right on the road. So I had to become familiar with these songs by themselves. This record, I've been touring with a handful of them and I had already done the three and a half years with the last record. So I've embraced the beauty of the two. And you saw what I did at the last show. I embraced the idea of going out with the full band and then showing them what I, I'm also uh, a part of me is the singer songwriter stripped down just me and my guitar. So I've, I've learned to embrace um, the organic stripped down version of each song and the purity of how it was first created to see if it holds water. Cause sometimes people they'll judge you on there and say, Oh, where's the drums? Where's that? Yeah. You have to take risks sometimes in, in, in your writing to know what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And also no, can this song hold water by itself? Tom Petty always said that. He's like, you know a good song when you could just hear it with you and your guitar. Just you and your guitar, nothing else. Yeah. So, yeah, you just got to take risks in it. And I, I love being on that cusp of like on the edge of your seat and also feeling comfortable with it, you know? That's cool. The little, the combination of the two. So. You and I know a similar person, Kiki Protestas. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, she was on this podcast. Uh, definitely recommended you, obviously. Amazing musician. Yeah. Amazing musician, Mason, amazing person. Like, I love Kiki. Um, we had discussed that both of our careers came from a, a day. It's literally just a specific day that we needed to show up 
and both of us had reasons you know we we're both sick couldn't make it you know a million reasons to not show up but we did show up and it slingshot us into our careers and i believe you had told me a similar thing somebody offered you a gig that you didn't know if you wanted to be shooting you, you didn't know if you wanted to be doing it or not but you showed up yeah. and i think that for you every single day that you show up it <laughs> Yeah, and I heard your podcast with her, and I think that was uh, showing up is crucial. I love that when you guys were talking about that being there, showing up. Um, they always say, uh, I remember which artist it was, but always say yes, don't say no until you're too busy to say, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's true, showing up. And I think on yours, uh, it was an interesting, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was, but you, you didn't know what to expect, but you went, you showed up, and it ended up yeah, being great. It was a, yeah, it was a funeral. Yeah, <laughs> was you, but it ended up. But it ended up something great came it out came of it. Came out of it, yeah. Because it's true, though. You have those moments where you, I don't know about this one, um, but yeah, I've ha I've had a couple of those, uh, probably too many to list on a, a podcast. But they, you go and you show up, and and you get surprised sometimes. You know, sometimes uh, in a way where they they could be lifelong friends too that you met on the road, a gig, or or. Um, there's a friend of mine, uh, Bubba, who lives down in uh, in the South, and he's a, he's actually a great example. Uh, I played this gig in um, Montgomery, Alabama. <clears throat> I didn't know what to expect, but I reached out to him, and he's been my friend ever since. Uh, not just uh, business side of it; he's got me gigs and stuff, but just a dear friend of mine. He has this thing called "Commit to the Song," and you want to talk about passion for the artist. Uh, the story that he has with that and, and how uh, it was formed is incredible, but it's sometimes taking those risks. Like you said, showing up, like going there and, and you could end up finding an incredible gig uh, and you can end up finding lifelong friends. Uh, it could be a number of things, but showing up is crucial. Well, where I was going to use your show up, uh, example was that bar that you said that had one person, one guy that sat there in the back with Austin, Texas, right? with Austin, yeah. Texas. Yeah. It was, it's so true. Like, uh, I, I played this, the metalhead gig and it's, it was bizarre. I got invited out and I was ready to go on the stage. It was a nice big stage. And they said, no, 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 that's not you. And they, they brushed me to the back and it was pitch black. All I could see was the bartender. And luckily my friend who I was staying with out there came out. So I had the bartender and my friend, and I started playing and I was just really upset, you know, just trying to get through it, head down, just doing what I got to do. And I start hearing some clapter and I'm noticing this, this guy's really in tune. He's sitting next to my friend. So now there's three people <laughs> <laughs> and I got done and he called me over and he said, what are you doing in here? And I said, well, I, I got booked here. And he goes, you, you need to be on the main stage. I run the place. And he put me on the main stage two days later. So that was just showing up, you know? I didn't, I didn't know what to expect other than I was very uh, concerned. And if I had kept that mentality and just left, I wouldn't have talked with that guy and wouldn't have played the much better show two days later. So it's, you got to have faith too <laughs> and believe yeah. in the process. <laughs> well, and because you were committed, you know, like yeah. you were committed to what you were doing. And I think that that's the, <clears throat> the similarity that I could see with all of us was like, yeah. all of us were committed to what we were doing at that time. And I think that 
there's a million reasons always anxiety and and all that stuff will always get at you and there's a million reasons to not do stuff and i I just stress it to everybody like if you find a reason not to do something do the opposite Mm. just do it Mm. because it's going to be good for you regardless because you can you're already talking yourself out of something Try the other thing because I'm sure you talk yourself out of a lot of things all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So try just going the opposite, flipping that. And you yeah. know what? What happens, happens. But from what I can tell you is it's led to so many great things, those people that just were like, fuck it. You 100%. Know? Yeah. And then there's a million, like you just said, there's a million reasons why not to do something and for you to pull out. What I would encourage anyone, musicians and any art form is – to find the one thing that drives you that that you know is why you should be doing it and cling to it with everything you got. Don't let go. And you'll find it eventually. You know, you, and you got to push. But you can't, you, you got to stay with it though. You got to yeah. push with it, you know. Find the thing that you love and push it. Yeah. Live it to its fullest. You're going to get knocked off track. You're yeah. Gonna get, stay you know, on there though. Like, like you said, you've gone, you've been double booked. They're like, no yeah. thanks. You've been not paid. Like yeah, yeah. all these things, million reasons to stop. And it's, it's interesting because I've, I've been doing it long enough to where even now where those things you don't expect, they'll still happen. I have one happen in Florida and I was really upset. And, uh, but when I look back at the rest of it, you know, it was, it covered so much other stuff where it was all good, where I'm like, I can't let this one thing do d- d- determine how i'm gonna feel the next day but in the moment i was i was really upset didn't get paid nothing and it was a it was a mess had people coming out and everything and i just chose to just let it go that's good though yeah yeah that's good and they're always going to be there but i think what happens is it's it's the infantile stage of anything that you're doing whether you're a filmmaker a musician uh one thing that's important is finding people that support you and that encourage you uh, that are in the same field you know, I, we, I'll reach out to my friend, uh, in Virginia a lot and he'll reach out to me and we'll talk to each other. Ah, oh, how was the show? Oh, terrible. Crap. It was crap. How was it? It was great. And, and what happens is one or the other will have the other. So they'll say, ah, oh, don't worry about it, man. It will get better. You know, that's important too, for any field, have someone there as like a community to check in on. Yeah. 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 And with ours, you, you need it a lot cause you're alone a lot. So, oh yeah yeah and every, you think everybody like hates your work anyway <laughs> well, like, oh, and I, I did hear one of the artists i was mentioning earlier i heard him on a, a podcast talking about too where he's got such a network of friends and musicians really well-known ones where they they do it too because they still have terrible nights and hey man how you doing oh it's terrible shit show and uh then they will remind him of the night before where it was amazing and then yeah. they're right back on track that's right. Um, do you think that you're successful? Yeah. I mean, success is such a weird word for me though, because in what we do in our art form, it, it could be judged on sales only. I think the success for me is that I've, I found a good place to where my main concern is, is my songwriting just being as honest as possible and that people are showing up to see it and paying to see it and buying the records to me, that success, it's not, you know, thousands and thousands of tickets sold and all that other stuff. Um, but I have a long way to go. So, so where is, do you think you want to be? Right. Yeah. I've got a long way to go, but I, I feel successful. Sure. True. That I'm doing what I love and that I, I haven't deterred on it in the past almost 10 years. I've stayed with it. 
and many times where I could have left and I didn't. I'm proud of that. I've had a couple bumps, a couple bumps on the road where I, I wasn't touring as much, but you know, I pretty much stayed on point. So that feels like a success. What happens when you release a new record? Like, do you feel like, ah, oh, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you could, uh, my, my friend Ian Flanagan, oh my God, he's a saint. He, he was there for me from the, before it was released up to the making of it and to the release. And the, he got many tech messages and phone calls and just, <laughs> oh my God, he, he was there for me the whole, cause he was going through it too. And I was checking it on him and we're both like, oh my God, we're similar in that sense where, um, I don't know how to describe it. I was writing the songs. I was creating them. I had my eight track I was telling you about earlier, that little eight track. And my mom was there. I was staying with her while I was touring the South and she got to hear the process. But from that process to booking the musicians, to um, recording the record, then to uh, mixing it and mastering the whole time, it's anxiety. It's beyond because you don't know. I knew I was, I felt confident in the release and the songs, but yeah, once it's finally released, then I can breathe. But up to that point, I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's stressful. Yeah. I'm loving imagine. the process, but it's still, yeah, it's anxiety. Because uh, just to give a quick example, you mix a record, right? And you have your engineer, my engineer mixes the record. We have to pass it off to someone else who masters it, which is a much a completely different animal and, and and they're doing it in a much shorter timeline than everything else you just put into it. And you're trusting that they will do it good. Do it good. So that's one of the highest anxiety levels of the process. And then, you know, you go to release it. So yeah, you've got to, uh, you've got to balance out the anxiety levels because they can get pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, and I assume that you look at, you know, your music just as I look at my videos, like that's, that's your product. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You're the gonna... songs are your, I mean, I'm sure many musicians say they're like your baby. Like it's, uh, but the quality, like what I, you yeah. know, th this was a really, uh, a really nice record as far as the mix wise. Like I play it in the car. I can feel, yeah, yeah. you know, I can feel I it all it. every string. So, Thank you. you know, for, for somebody that, you know, really enjoys mixing and stuff like i i thought it was really nice thank, you. thank <clears throat> you and um that's the nerves too it's the, just knowing that everyone does everyone uh you know like what i do <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i'm i felt real good with this record but you just the humble side is you, you want everyone to love it but you know you just got to go in there and 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 give it everything you got and write the best music you possibly can and, and uh you know and that's it there's not it's 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 simple when you think about it, it but it's it's all the other stuff that goes into it that makes it stressful yeah. oh yeah yeah. <laughs> all the work all the hard work that gets put into it behind the scenes that people don't see how um, long did it take you to make the record we did it we did uh like i mean for you to like work on the songs like not, uh, well the not whole the process recording. leading up to it was a, quite a bit uh I was working on the songs during the Florida tour. So I was down there for a bit, probably six months with the demos and everything, just getting them. Cause what I did is I recorded everything the way I wanted it to be. And then, uh, you know, you give them to all the musicians, uh, minus the string players. I had to sit down with them and we worked that out. But 
uh, that was that period. And then you come home and we really only had, and hats off to Lee Falco, the drummer, unbelievable. Scott Malisi, my keyboard player, bass player, Dan Grimsland. Um, we're talking literally one rehearsal. Wow. It's insane. These yeah. guys are so unbelievably professional. It's incredible. My engineer, David Anderson is, uh, he's, he's a master and, uh, you know, I got him on the last record and you, you know, if I like something, I stick with it and we got him on this one and it was a different animal. The first record we did an art farm. And then this one, we did at dreamland studios, which is in Woodstock. And, uh, when Dave walked in and he looked at the console, it was cool because it's kind of like, you know, with film, you know, and you get to be around these cameras and you're just drooling like, whoa, that's what he was, you know, looking at the guy. He just was excited to work with it. And that's when I knew like he was really going to enjoy the process. I already knew he was excited, but uh, when he got to get with the console and work with it, it was really cool to see him at work. Um, so that part was, but the recording of the record was only man, nine days. Wow. It was, it was, but it was so organic. I'm a purist in the form of, uh, we go in and we're live. Uh, obviously the, uh, vocals were separate, but I'm, I'm very big into performing live. So we, all that stuff was live. The strings were separate in the vocals. So that's probably speeds the process up a little bit. It could yeah. be grueling if you're, if you're, uh, you know, looking for, you know, absolute, whatever you want to call this stuff uh, on the radio. I don't know you know, if they, <laughs> it's know. to me, it's, I don't know. I'm looking for the organic, like, uh, even if it, say you hit a note, not exactly perfect. As long as the feel and the vibe is there, that's what matters. Yeah. Those guys were so professional that we had most of the tracks done in about four days. Wow. And then there was layering, you know, like, uh, an extra guitar and the strings and stuff like in the vocals. But, um, there's a beauty in that, you know, there's a beauty in the honesty of it. Of, of live performing so that's awesome do you consider yourself a producer on this or yeah so you did produced by Dave yeah boy yeah yeah it was it well me and dave we 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 there's a i have a, a really great relationship with dave where um we kind of understand each other there's a there's a, a great understanding i guess it's the best way to put it where uh even with the mixing we'd sit down and we we're playing off ideas, you know, he's doing all the manual work and everything and I'm using the ears, but, um, yeah, we work really good together in producing and he's, he's the sole engineer. He's doing all that. But, uh, as far as, uh, working together on the mixing and the producing, yeah. it's, we work together on that. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. And he's, he's, uh, he's a master. He, he was here, um, for the last record and then he got, this is pretty, you'll appreciate this. He got uh, the job as the head engineer at Sound City where like oh, Nirvana yeah. did Nevermind and uh, Tom Petty did Wildflowers, uh, Neil Young's After the Gold Rush, Metallica, the list goes on and on, Fleetwood Mac. He got that job and now he's working at uh, Village Studios, which is an amazing studio, tons of records done there. So I had to fly him. <laughs> I, we weren't sure what to do. We weren't sure if we were going to do the record in LA or not. But I wanted all these guys in New York, so I flew them to New York. And the bass player, Dan Grimsland, flew them both. And he recommended Dan, so it was a trip. It was it was a trip to have them come out. Um, so, yeah, I, I just he's a master engineer and, uh, and a good friend. That's awesome, Dan. I'm, like, so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy right now <laughs> with this podcast. Likewise. You got, uh, you got advice for anybody that is 
trying to thinking about becoming a traveling musician, somebody's ready to go on the road. What what advice you got for them? Um, there's well, there's a lot to be said with that, but I would say ease your way in, meaning in a sense. Um, I did the open mics and to start off before any of that for musicians that are trying it out, testing the waters, the open mics were the starting point for me. And then, you know, you start to play your shows and, um, if you know in your heart of hearts that you want to try it out, I just say, go for it. And, uh, you know, maybe start in an area that feels right for you where you feel comfortable and, and then, uh, come back check see where it worked out you know see what made sense you know if, if if certain parts didn't make sense to you where you didn't uh it didn't quite feel right maybe attack that again on the next uh, time through but um you can one thing that's important is you could take vi- videos uh, are important getting some good video footage you know and you do that so it's like getting good videos out and promoting it to areas and and see where people are in tune with your music and attack those areas um, and just keep growing from there. But uh, the other key is to just stay with it, stick with it, stick with the process. If you love it and you know it's what you're meant to be doing, just stick with it and it'll, it'll pan out. Is there like uh, any, I don't know. See, like for me, I have like filmmaker forums and stuff, but like do musicians like say, Hey, this venue, if you're ever in this state, this venue likes to hire this or Anything like that? Is there any like communities or stuff or yeah, um, I just make that up? <laughs> no, there, there are, there's like certain groups, uh, that, that they do have, um, in different areas. And there's also like some radio stations too, where they, they, uh, they'll promote different venues and whatnot. And they work together on that. But I'd say to look into those as well. And, um, also the, the key is too, is, um, if you can get some decent videos and recordings and just send them out take risks, I guess you've got to take risks. And, you know, I used to be nervous in the past where I, ah, I'm not good enough for that. Or, Oh, I don't know. That's too big. Um, of course, go after what you know you're, you can accomplish right from the get go and make money, but take some risks and, and send them out to some venues and see what happens. They might need an opener, you know, or they might really like your music, but you've got to, you got to be willing to take risks in this field. And, um, but in the beginning stages, I would encourage just, you know, set up a route. Routing is everything. You know, if, if you're going, try and keep it within a two to three hour distance between each show. You know, you could even do less if you're, if you don't want to do a big tour, maybe do an hour and a half, whatever. Cause if you're, if you're traveling insane hours, you're losing so much money from that last show you just did. Mm. And in the earlier stages of performing, <clears throat> it's, it's important. I used to try in the earlier tours, especially out West. One gig, I drove like 16 hours. It's like, what's the, what's the point? Wow. You know, unless you're selling, you're playing a major, major venue, you're making it all back. Try and be careful with the routing. That's important. Um, and figuring out what cities make sense. You know, some cities, it might not just call for your, that style music whatsoever. It might be a waste, you know? I've learned that there's certain places, you know, I wouldn't name names, but certain places where I'm just like, that eh, doesn't really make sense for me to be. Here, yeah. 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 I mean, I adore the whole going, doing the whole thing, yeah. but there are a couple where I'm like, yeah, 
<laughs> I, get, I could skip over they're that. They're not over there. They're just, know. it just doesn't make sense. Or, There's not even anything good to see in that state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could happen. Sure. That's sure. awesome. You want to <laughs> plug some socials? What do you got? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can get the music. Uh, it's still in the process from getting put on to my website, but it will be up very soon. Uh, DanLavoyMusic.com. Uh, D-A-N-L-A-V-O-I-E music.com and social media is facebook.com forward slash Dan LaVoy music and you could find all the tour dates on either one of those so that's awesome. where you can find me at and I'm uh, you know uh, my Instagram is burn to earn underscore productions and Facebook is burn to earn productions and the website burn to earn productions.com so this episode we're gonna uh ring out with dan's uh third track on his album called wake to try again which is my favorite track on the album so uh dan as we ring out you want to just give me some insight on this song yeah here. i'm actually makes me really happy that's your favorite because it's the heaviest track on the record uh emotionally and all that stuff uh um shortly after college i got accepted to berkeley college of music and uh i was at a very high point at that moment and uh Within a month of graduating, I just uh, went down a really dark path and uh, was suicidal for about f five or six months. It's all I thought about, just not being here anymore. Um, it's a, it's not a good place to be in when, you know, there's moments that I remember where you'll be in a full room of people. You'd be in a room of 100 people, but you're the only one in there and uh, because you don't know how to break down these walls of uh, depression. Um so this song touches on that idea, but it's, it's not necessary that uh, just about that. It's about the idea of not giving up. We've got too many people or, or ending their lives and there's always hope. And, uh, for the example for me is most people know me as kind of the goofball and the, you know, the, the class clown. And, um, you know, I always think of Robin Williams, you know, as a brilliant genius guy who was always laughing and he was hurting inside the whole time. It's important to check in on each other, make sure you're doing okay. And uh, even if when they're smiling, check in on them, just say, you know, how you doing? Um, but th at the very end of the song, it's one of those songs that are interesting because it has, you know, I'm not big into structure form, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. I kind of like to change it up a little bit. And the chorus comes at the very end of the song. And it's more the hope of uh, being able to wake up to the sun. Because um, I remember when I finally stopped thinking about ending my life, I could smell the flowers. Like, I know it sounds a little cliche, but I could, you know, I could actually taste again. You know, foods became normal again. Things that when you're in that dark of a place of, of, contemplating suicide you literally lose that sense of feel and touch and and smell and uh i remember that coming back to me again and just being like wow so i use that in in the sense of uh being able to wake to the warmth of the sun again it's a it's a good feeling so to close it's just that idea of don't give up you know reach out if you're hurting let someone know and if you feel embarrassed maybe maybe go to someone that you know has been through it and console on them uh and don't give up awesome man all right everybody well thanks for listening to this episode of the get your own podcast and tune in next episode when we talk to another entrepreneur business owner traveling musician who knows 
But uh, either way, everybody here gets their own, and uh, uh, and their advice is all free and and um, straight up. So thanks for listening again, and uh, enjoy Dan's wake to try again. Thanks so much for having me. Tragedies come in droves Telling myself I'll be just fine on my own Been sick in my head so long Trying so hard just to live as I die
Thanks for listening to the Get Your Own Podcast. 